Hello, and welcome to the Little Ritual Podcast, the show where we are refreshingly honest about the more esoteric and spiritual aspects of life, death, and everything in between. We will tap into the ancient wisdom of archetypal work like the Enneagram, Astrology, and Ayurveda in a way that is down-to-earth and accessible. We will explore life right behind the veil of what we can see and offer you practical rituals to keep you living with ease and curiosity. I'm your host, Jenna Ocean. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, today on the podcast, we are talking about me getting fired. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe that was a little too, like, upbeat. Dun, dun, dun. That's better. Yeah. Dun at the end. Getting fired from the yoga studio that I've worked at for two years. And if you're following me on Instagram, maybe you saw me post about this, and you might be very curious. If you don't follow me on Instagram, first of all, go ahead and do that. We have a great time over there at Joy Play. And secondly, I bet you're curious now, huh? <laughs> So, I will satiate your curiosity and tell you about that sit, that shit show situation. But then we're going to go deeper and we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject, which is conflict. And we're going to talk about it in relation to the chakra system and how conflict might affect each of us differently and our chakras differently. This episode is for you if you feel like conflict is inordinately hard for you or harder for you than it seems like it is for your peers. This conversation is also for you if you grew up with a healthy with healthy conflict modeled to you. I think this episode still has stuff to offer you, practical tips, but also a perspective because I'm sure that you have friends or colleagues who don't have such a healthy background for conflict. So um, this conversation is also for you. So as always, please be kind to yourself. And if this conversation like makes you stressed out or triggers you, please take care of yourselves. Um, But yeah, we're going to hop right in. So please grab yourself a beverage, find a comfy spot, um, and let's get started with today's episode. Hey guys, happy Monday. I hope that your week is starting out well. Um, I'm recording this on Saturday, July 15th, and it's hot in here. (laughs) Um, Last episode, you kind of heard me talk about how just cloudy and like gray the weather has been in Massachusetts this summer. Well, we're back. We're back to our regular programming of sunny, hot, and humid. And we're rolling with it. We are rolling. Um, Today, I dropped Nick off at the train station. We're currently sharing a car, so um, often he... has to take the train to go to his practice with his band, um, which is about 30 minutes away. So I did that. And then I went to a yoga class and I am a picky little 
biatch when it comes to yoga classes. Um, if, if you teach yoga and you're listening, maybe you can relate. Like once you, once you know the behind the scenes of anything, right? Like it really doesn't matter what, but once you know the behind the scenes of something that you used to enjoy, you, it's just going to be different and it might be a little harder to enjoy blindly. Um, so that being said, like this class was great, like so good in so many ways, but there are some key things that for me were missing and that happens like every time. So I'm on this like insatiable quest to find like to find a yoga class that fits just right. Like gold, I'm on a Goldilocks quest. That's what it is. And I'm going to explain the yoga that I want. And if you do this type of yoga, like please, please just take me into your arms, into your class. Okay. So here's what I want in a good yoga class. I want, I want breathing to be set like pretty quickly off the bat. I want a really good integration moment where we start either seating, seated or lying down. I'm not a standing starter. I, I don't like that. Um, and I think it's really important to give people a moment to settle in without very many cues. But then after that, have us really dive into the breath because to me, like the thing that differentiates yoga from before class starts, like, like in a non, uh, patronizing way, treat us like children that need to ground down from coming out of the playground. Cause that's what our life is like, uh, is that life is a playground of our thoughts. So we're coming in from recess. Okay. Okay, guys, can you guys hear me on this? Can I say it louder for people in the back? We're coming in from recess, all of these neurodivergent ADHD brains, and we just need a moment to calm down before we can really get into the flow of your class. Okay, my second thing that is important to me in yoga is that you give people freedom to do whatever they want. That's so important to me. If I feel like it's awkward, if I pop into a headstand when you're cueing wide-legged forward fold. I'm really going off the deep end here, but I just, I just want to be allowed to do whatever I want in a yoga class because I, I so deeply appreciate the space and I'll try to keep up to the best of my ability. But the whole point of yoga is to grow into our own awareness, right? And like find what feels good in our body. So if you ever come to one of my yoga classes, you can do whatever you want, okay? And you can do whatever you want in anyone's class. And like if anyone ever gives you a hard time about doing what feels good in your body, whether that means doing less or doing more, I don't know. Tell them to stuff it. <laughs> or maybe that's not the class for you. Okay. Rant over. Oh, the last important thing is that Shavasana needs to be quiet. If you have music that has no lyrics, okay, fine. But music with lyrics during Shavasana is like, it feels deeply wrong. (laughs) Okay, now my rant is really over. But if you have those things and you're a yoga instructor, call me because I want to know you and I want to pay you money to teach me yoga. (laughs) Okay, so three good things before we dive into our favorite subject ever, which is conflict. We all, don't you just love conflict? Don't you? Um, I have an eight wing. I'm a, if you follow the Enneagram, 
uh, I'm a seven wing eight and my eight wing doesn't love conflict, but it's ready. You know what I mean? It's like, um, yeah, it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna choose to go into the ring, but if you throw me in there, like, God bless, God bless. Okay. So anyway, before we hop into conflict and also how to recognize which chakras are maybe being triggered within conflict and also get some practical advice and tips as to how to get through conflict honoring your energy and along with your values. Let's do three good things. Good thing number one is something odd that happened today. It's really not that odd. It's just that I introduced myself to someone that I don't know in yoga today after class. Um, I was looking at their tattoos and I don't, they just seemed cool. We were like one person apart in yoga and I think that I do tend to feel like an alien when I walk into yoga classes. I feel like I take up too much space and I'm sure there's a lot to unpack there, but because of that, like, I think I'm really sensitive to energy and like if someone seems special I definitely notice them and like take a keenness to them because I'm thankful for the energy that I feel them putting into the room so someone was I don't know maybe it was just that they had cool tattoos who knows but I I like against my not my better judgment but I think that there's a version of me let's put it this way the regular version of Jenna would have finished that class, said thank you, namaste, and rolled up my mat and left. But I thought, this is one of those moments, Jenna, where you can make a friend or at least try. At least you can say that you put in the effort. (laughs) At least you clocked in. At least you clocked in. So I introduced myself and they seemed really cool and then I was like, okay, good job, Jenna. You introduced yourself. Go home. And then I just kept going. I was like, do you come here often? I I totally went in with the, do you come here often? Um, and started a whole little conversation with this person and it was a very normal, fine conversation. And yeah, so I think that's a good thing because I clocked in and who knows where that could go. And, you know, I understand that you feel that way. This is some internal family systems in case you're wondering. Understand that you feel that way, but that's not accurate. Okay, good thing number two. The dress that I'm wearing is, although it's making me sweaty today because it's humid and dresses are like a little sausage casing, this dress is lovely. It's a deep navy color and I bought it in Iceland and that's why I think that it is so special to me is that uh, after I led this yoga retreat to Iceland, when I'm done with retreats and when I'm traveling in general, I like to make very few plans so that I can just wander the city freely. So that's what I did in Reykjavik. And I found a thrift store that I can't believe I found it. I cannot believe I found this thrift store. I don't even know how to explain it, but it was better than any thrift experience I've ever had. There were gems on every section of every aisle and this dress was one of those gems and I just love it 
And I love that it feels like it's imbued with a little bit of the energy of Iceland. Like it kind of, even though it's a navy blue, it's a cooler navy, like in tone. So it kind of reminds me of the glacial water and um, a little bit of the energy of like the skies in Iceland. I was driving home from getting a very good iced coffee from Horseshoe Cafe and I was just like so thrilled to get home and record. So this is exciting for me and it's my third good thing. All right. So now that 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 we've done our little good things, let's hop into what you've been curious and satiate your curious minds. Okay. Long story short, I got fired this week from the yoga studio that I've been working at since I became a yoga teacher and actually even before I became a yoga teacher. I led my first community class, which uh, for those of you who haven't gone through YTT yoga teacher training, I'm pretty sure that every program includes, like your final exam is basically leading a class in full. Um, So my first, like my final exam, let's call it, that community class was on Halloween of two years ago. And this yoga studio, I've been working there since even before I graduated. They had me teaching classes in the weeks leading up to my graduation. So I've been there for a long time. Um, I've led workshops. I did Reiki in the space. um, And my classes have grown steadily and been objectively very successful. Some of them I've filled up completely, which is extremely rare for the studio. Anyway, I won't like dive into how awesome I am. Uh, but just know that <laughs> that I am. And I was not expecting to have, let me just put it this way, I wasn't expecting to even have a conversation this week, let alone get fired. It was unexpected, but not surprising. Do you ever have stuff like that? Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, no, I wasn't expecting to have a meeting at all. But no, I'm not surprised that this relationship is ending either. So let me just give you the summary. I'm, I am not going to, I'm not going to make like a reality TV moment of this, of the conflict that we had and the conversation because one, it's just not like high energy, to be honest. And two, like I know that I would just spend the time convincing you of why I'm right. And that's just exhausting. No one needs that. But I I do want to give you a little summary just so that you understand the context. So, so, okay. So I was working there for two years and there were some things that have come up as would happen in any two-year relationship, right? Like there were some things that came up that I just felt were not right. The main thing was payment and the way that they pay us. I don't think it's a fair system. There have been times where my pay, my paycheck came in so late that I was late to rent and that happened multiple times and so of course there were a few key times when I brought that up in email or in conversation to see and I'm not let me just say that like if I ever bring up something I have solutions in mind like I'm not just gonna I find it very unhelpful and I've learned through the years that you, you know, you should have solutions in mind or be solution oriented. That's kind of my paradigm. So when I, 
when I would bring these things up of like, hey, I don't think the system is super fair for the teachers that we get paid once a month, but often that payment comes in three weeks after the end of the month. Um, is there any other way we can do it? You know, a lot of people do direct deposit. Um, if you want, like, I'd be happy to try and like look into how that could work. What can we do? And basically they were like, there, there's nothing that we can do. This is the way it is, et cetera, et cetera. And other than the payment, there were just some communication things that happened where I had multiple yoga teachers coming to me complaining validly about the lack of communication or the lack of presence in the yoga studio like they're never they're never there really so I would bring these things up because I'd noticed them as well and I thought they were worth addressing basically from the beginning it was never productive I would bring these things up and they would respond with saying that they were offended that was always how it would go and that was definitely frustrating for me, but I tried to hear them out and, and adjust as needed to be softer in communication. But in the end, like, my points were never addressed. It didn't matter how I framed it. They were always, they always just took offense to the fact that I was giving feedback at all. So, you know, verbally they say, we're always open to feedback, et cetera, et cetera, but really they, they didn't want it. Um, so in this conflict conversation that I didn't know that we were having, their chief complaint was in regards to my tone, saying I was too aggressive with my feedback and that, and that was always the complaint from day one. There was always a response to the way I was saying things rather than to the points themselves. And conflict, and this is more of what I want to talk about today, this is getting to the, the real bulk of it. For me, conflict, especially with people who are in a position of authority, is something that has taken a lot of energy out of me in a big way. And for a while, I didn't know that I was processing conflict differently than any other person off the street. I think that's the case for most of us, right? Like, you just accept the way that you process things as the way it must be. But it was in therapy a few years ago that I realized that my relationship to conflict was out of sorts because I didn't have healthy conflict modeled as a child. So I always expected conflict and hard conversations to harm me and to end poorly. And if you're wondering what that looked like, I will, I will tell you. In the past, let's say I had a performance review scheduled for Friday. I would spend the entire week leading up with my nervous system out of whack. Like I would have insomnia. I wouldn't sleep all week. I wouldn't be able to eat well. I'd have stomach pains and severe anxiety to the point where I could almost guarantee that if there was a work conflict or conversation that I'd be out for the week after as well, because I'd get sick, like physically I'd get a cold from all the worry. My immune system would literally exhaust itself in fight or flight anytime leading up to a conflict. So for a while, I would just either actively avoid it or, well, yeah, that's pretty much it. I would actively avoid giving 
or receiving feedback because I just didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to upset anyone and I didn't want to get backlash for speaking up. So I think that a lot of people can relate to this, to the fact that like, let me, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever in your life had a moment where you see how your friends or a colleague handles conflict and just been blown away at how it doesn't affect them the same way? Like maybe they're stressed a little bit in the 30 minutes before or maybe the day before if they even have more anxiety. But then they get through it. They're able to speak their mind and like they're moving on. But then for people that have not had this healthy modeling of conflict approach things from a more whole perspective. And here I am now getting fired for speaking up. This week, I essentially lived out 20-year-old Jenna's biggest fear. And I not only survived it, but it did not paint my entire week with anxiety or regret. So this whole thing is a big deal for me. And on top of that, I got fired for being aggressive in my tone. My thoughts on that are threefold. One, I, do, I genuinely do not believe that I was overly aggressive in any way. Two, it's giving tone policing. <laughs> and three, wow, look at me go. Look at that growth from the girl who never wanted to say when something was wrong out of fear of punishment. I'm proud of myself. And I am proud and, re- yeah, I'm proud and relieved at the growth that I have made. At one point in my journey around the time that I realized the poor relationship I had with conflict, I had this moment of terror that maybe you can relate to where I realized that all of my life would be full of conflict because humans conflict. (laughs) And I thought that I would just be exhausted just trying to make it through all the times that people and I would clash. And I just want to encourage you, if you feel that too, you are on the right path and it will not be exhausting forever. Your tools for regulating triggers will become more and more accessible and less clunky as the days go by. Okay, so when we talk about this work of like healing and um, healing the places of conflict and that type of thing, we're basically talking about healing the chakra system in our bodies, specifically the throat and root chakra. Which chakras are the most affected will vary per person and will vary based on how conflict was addressed for you as a child. But for me, when conflict comes up, my sense of safety and belonging, so that would be the root chakra, as well as my capacity to speak my truth clearly and with strength, so talking about the throat chakra, those are the chakras that tend to be stressed or strained. And before we move on, I want to give a note to those listening who had healthy conflict modeled as a child and you know maybe you don't have triggers around authority conflict and disagreement first of all i'm so happy that you're listening i bet you're here because um, you still think you have things to learn or maybe you're here because someone that you love is is more in the camp of has a really hard time with conflict So thank you for being here, and I really hope that this content will also help you. I believe that it can because we all have triggers that come up. Um, Just some of us have repeat triggers because of our childhoods. But here's my, my benediction to you. It is your job to 
try your very best to not minimize the experience of your friends who are majorly triggered by conflict. This doesn't mean that you don't set boundaries for conversations and actions, and it doesn't mean that you let them talk themselves off of a metaphorical cliff. It just means that you give them space to feel and that maybe you can come at those situations with the understanding that their nervous system is processing so much more than just the singular conflict at hand. So if you can do your best to try to not take things personally, wow, like that means the world, that will mean the world to um, your friend or the person that you're in relationship with. So chakra system, if you are new to the chakra system, this is my little rundown of what it is and how it works. Okay, so along your vagus nerve, so we're not talking woo-woo right now, like the vagus nerve that runs through along your spine, in the back of your body. There are certain hot spots along that vagus nerve. Uh, these hot spots are where energy tends to flow or be blocked. And those hot spots are called the chakras. Now, there are seven main chakras or hotspots, and each one carries sort of a different personality, a different set of messages and energy. Starting at the root chakra, which would be anything from your hips down. You can think of this literally as your roots, right? Like the base of where you come from. It's what makes you feel grounded. If it's off kilter, it's what makes you feel ungrounded and like you can't touch down to earth. It also carries old karma, meaning all the past lessons of your life, or even some people believe past lives as well. It's the color dark red, like the dirt of the earth. And yeah, it's message. I said that each one has a personality and a message. The, the message of the root chakra is that you are grounded and that you belong. And then we move up to the sacral chakra. This is sort of like in your lower belly for those with uh, womb, it would be where the womb space is. And the color here is a warm orange color. And the message here is that you're safe and you can play. Moving up to solar plexus, so go a few inches up right. No, what's the word I'm looking for? Xiphoid process. It's like right below the xiphoid process. Like a long time ago in C CPR, they used to really hammer in not doing CPR over the xiphoid process. I don't know if any of you were in the like a medical adjacent or took CPR during that time. But anyway, that's right where our solar plexus is and it's a yellow color. It's like our own personal sunshine. The message here is confidence. The message here is self-belief um, and forward moving energy. Then we move up to the heart chakra. This one's pretty obvious into where it is in and around the chest cavity, the tissue around the heart. This is the center of where we're loved, where we give love and receive love, as well as our passion and like our, the robe. It's the center that makes us feel robust in life. And it's a green color. I forgot to mention the solar plexus is a bright yellow, but sunshine, you kind of got that. Moving up to the throat chakra. Oh, I still have, even just saying that, like, kind of sends shivers because this is one of the big, like, healing spots for me in life. Your throat, throat chakra is a bright blue color, and the message here is that you speak your truth. The third eye, what color is it? Shoot, I feel like it's a deep blue or a purple. Oh, it's purple for sure. Hang on. Third eye color. Indigo. 
So the color, I had to look that up in case you're wondering. It's a purple. It's a beautiful indigo. And a little fun fact for you, that's the chakra associated with the Sagittarius, which is me. The messaging of this chakra is that you're connected to God or the universe or divine energy, whatever you want to call it, you are connected and you are free. Okay, so the visual for a chakra is a spinning disc or wheel. And that is the actual meaning of the word chakra. It is wheel. So when this disc is spinning too slowly, we would call that chakra closed. And when this is spinning too fast, uh, you might just, you might have an overactive chakra in that area. And all of these wheels are connected. So if one is off, it will affect the whole family. And if one is receiving healing energy, the rest will benefit as well. It's like you have this healing community inside you and the goal is for the whole community to be doing well and communicating with one another. It's important to note that a chakra can be open or closed at different points of the day. I remember one time I was using, um, because you can use, oh gosh, what's it called? It swings back and forth. Uh, They use it in like hypnotism. A pendulum. Ha ha, you can use a pendulum uh, to test if chakras are open or closed. And I remember I tested my chakras. Let's say it was at 6 p.m. and my throat chakra was open. And then 15 minutes later, I had overheard a conversation that made me upset, but I didn't say anything. I retested my throat chakra and it was totally closed. So it's important to know like the centers can be open or closed. However, depending on the core messaging that you received as a child, you may have a tendency towards certain chakras being closed or open. So when that is the case, you will usually repeat the same lessons in line with that chakra over and over again until to give you opportunities to heal that chakra. For me, with my root chakra being a bit deficient, I have things come up a lot with authority, with money and and how I make money that feel really hard every time, but it's giving me an opportunity to heal that that wound. And the chakra systems are meant to also be a journey. So Basically, ideas and karma, like I said, resides in your root chakra. And basically, the ancient yogis would say it makes this journey up each chakra. And every time it goes, it's getting clarified. The messaging is becoming clearer until it's released out of your crown chakra as pure light energy. So that's kind of the goal is that the negative emotion can make its journey through each chakra all the way up. So that was your little chakra intro. I am really passionate about the chakras because I've just, I felt them. I, I use the chakra system every day. I use it in my Reiki sessions and, um, again, it just, I love archetypal work and that is an archetypal work, right? We've attached colors and language and shapes to the these energetic experiences that we can't see with our eyes or like medically locate although they are working on that and if you're interested in that type of thing you can google like people measuring energy and that type of thing but that's not my field of passion so i love the chakra system because it gives us eyes and language for the stuff that's going on in our body and therefore like empowers us to to heal, and to move forward. So when I go through conflict, I still have the symptoms of anxiety come up. 
Like in this conversation that I had, I felt my heart racing. I feel my my chest clenching and and all of those things. But I have some ways to attend to my chakra system when they get thrown out of whack. So I'm going to share what I did energetically before, during, and after this meeting and then summarize by offering you tangible rituals to help you get through conflict. Okay, (laughs) but full transparency, I am a total weirdo and I recorded the entire conversation that I had with the studio owner and the manager and the random poor instructor that got pulled into this shit show of a meeting. Okay, I recorded the whole thing. And I recorded it for multiple reasons. One, I wanted to rewatch to have a better read on how I acted and reacted in the conversation so that I could learn from any mistakes. And two, I wanted to be validated in case there was any confusion because I've had, like I said, many conflicts with these people. And a lot of times I would leave the meeting and be like, what just happened? And so I didn't want that. I didn't want to get gaslit in the future. And I just, I wanted things to be clear. So I recorded them. Okay. So if you're watching me, if you were to watch me in this video, um, I'm just going to kind of paint the scene for you so that you can see the things that I did to help myself through the conflict. So here are four key things that I do before a potential conflict that you see me doing in the video. Number one, taking a few deep breaths. We can do it right now. We can do it anytime. We can do it anytime. It is so simple, but so important to take breaths. Our breath is our life force. Number two, I say an affirmation and or I set my intention for the conversation. So what I'm doing when I set an intention is that I'm recognizing that I cannot control nor am I responsible for anybody else's actions besides my own. The only thing that I can control in any conflict is what I say and do and how I react. So usually that's what, you know, my affirmation of my intention reminds me of that, that other people's actions aren't my responsibility. And you see me speaking to myself and reminding myself that I am worthy of love and space and respect regardless of the circumstances. And in this specific conversation, I say to myself, how this conversation go literally does not affect your inner world at all. And that's something that I say to myself before coming into conflict because I need to be reminded of it because, because as a child, I was kind of told differently that there's so much baggage there. Okay, so I remind myself that I'm worthy of love and respect. And then three, I speak directly to the chakras I imagined will be struggling or or that I'll be needing to use during the conversation. And I offer them my love and my support. So in the video, you see me with my hand hovering over my throat and my feet, the throat chakra and root chakra. And I'm just like, I literally will speak to it. I'll say like, hey, we're not, I will not overstrain you. I'm so appreciative of the work that you do. And I know that you got this at the same time. I will totally support you. And this may seem weird, but if you've ever done any work in therapy with internal family systems, this is like a really common therapeutic technique. You can read about this in The Body Keeps the Score if you're looking for like a textbooky type thing. But I'm literally speaking to those 
parts of myself that I know will show up using the chakra system. And number four, finally, I invite spirit guides, including my mother, to be with me in all things, but especially hard conversations. So we've got breath. After, this is all before. This is all before the conversation even starts. Giving myself time to take a few breaths, to say affirmations and set my intention for the conversation, to speak directly to the chakras or the parts of myself that, that I'll need to be using, and inviting, inviting in my team. I got to have my teammates. got to have my mama. My mom is the freaking bomb, and I'm so happy she's one of my spirit guides, and, and I need her help. <laughs> so during the conversation, during hard conversations, I come back to my breath always, and I notice any sensations in my body. Okay, so I'll say this again, but this is hard to start practicing in moments of conflict. It's not, it's not like the most conducive to in a hard conversation start noticing bodily sensation this is something you can practice like in normal everyday life whether you're excited like any emotion you can practice closing your eyes and seeing where it lands in your body so during this conversation the specific one they came out of the bat firing with a list of things they didn't like about me or my actions without even like hello how are you doing this triggered me and I noticed my heart beating fast and my throat and my neck straining. So that's when I notice that I'm, that I'm feeling triggered and I accept that and I come back to my breath. After we logged off the Zoom and they fired me, I said, so after I'm already logged off, I said some very mean things that will forever be memorialized in my little video. Then I called some trusted people to vent. So here's my thought on calling someone after a conflict meeting. You want to be very careful what you do with your energy right after a heated disagreement. Not only because you're vulnerable and you don't want to invite in the wrong person who might say something that will just, it's just wrong time and place, right? But also because that energy that you feel of like being heated or passionate, that is not bad energy and it's yours. So be very wary of throwing it away right after. Find a safe way to let out the steam in a way that makes sense to you. If that means calling someone, something, a helpful practice could be letting your trusted person know beforehand and asking them permission. So that might look like saying, hey, these people just set up a random meeting with me and I know that this type of thing has triggers around it for me. Are you available for a call in the next like one to two hours? And then that, then they have contacts and then you have sort of a safe space set up. So after that Zoom call, I went to CrossFit and absolutely kicked the shit out of a hard workout. That, and that's my, I know myself and that I need to let go and release energy through my body. That is one way that I heal my root chakra. Even as I'm doing this hard workout, I am so aware of what it's doing for me. On each box jump, I let my feet thud, hit the box, hit the ground. I am here, thud, I am connected, jump, thud, I don't take shit, thud, I know myself. For others, the need might be to get in the water and literally wash it off like a shower or bath or jump in the ocean if it's nearby. And for others, it might be to light a candle and cry alone. Experiment with what you need to do to release whatever emotions come up in conflict. Specifically, as you begin to get to know your chakra system, because now that you 
know it or maybe you already knew it before, uh, we're going to befriend it, right? And you can recognize which chakras for you get triggered in conflict and use that information to inform the actions that you take post-conflict. If your root sense of safety is triggered, for example, maybe you massage your feet with lavender oil. If it's if your heart is affected, your heart chakra, and your sense of being loved freely is challenged, maybe write a quick note of thanks for your heart for showing up even when it's hard. If it's your sense of self-trust or intuition, so talking about the third eye, maybe you get a scalp massage or maybe you find yoga poses that aid to the third eye. Google is your best friend. But try to notice, again, outside of conflict before you're in it, what areas get triggered so that you're not frantically Googling and experimenting when you get fired, let's say. (laughs) So where to go from here? Where to go after something has ended through a moment of conflict, whether that is a relationship, an opportunity, or a job? Number one, recognize if there's anything to celebrate and write it down. For me, there's a lot to celebrate. Mainly, I will celebrate that I have become an increasingly trustworthy person as I've gotten older and healed through my trauma. You can trust me to say if something is wrong or if someone's being mistreated. And I can face my inner child and tell her the same thing. I can say, if she's worried that she'll be trapped in negative sensation as comes up for me as a type 7, I can speak directly to her and say, hey, I will speak up for you. You do not have to fear. You can trust me. I will also celebrate that I got fired for using my voice. I will mark that down in history as the day that I went from medium salsa to spicy salsa. Okay, and then the second thing besides recognizing if there's anything to celebrate is writing down the chief complaint against you. For them, the chief complaint is that my tone was aggressive. So I might write that down set a timer for 20 minutes and free free write. Let it flow. See what you find. So I hope that this conversation was helpful to you. And if anything, that it frees up any shame if you are someone who is very triggered by conflict, that you know that you're not alone and that um, the work is hard, but it gets a little easier with each uncomfortable moment. So Please take care of yourselves. I am very proud of you. And I'd love to leave you with this quote from Charles Dickens. There is nothing so strong or safe in an emergency or life as the simple truth. And then another one from Glenn Duncan. To tell the truth is a beautiful act, even if the truth itself is ugly. All right. My love. My Uh, many blessings and I'll see you